Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Remarkably Us, the podcast. I'm your host, Shelly Roan, sober gal living in Southern California, navigating the ins and outs of life. After what we'll call the great breakdown of 2019, I've been journeying through self-discovery, sobriety, trauma, divorce, relationships, all of the above. In this podcast, I'll have solo episodes where I talk about my life, the things that I'm dealing with, have dealt with, and all the tools I've collected in maintaining a consistent environment for self-growth, love, and discovery. We'll also hear from others who are breaking barriers and climbing incredibly tough mountains. Get ready to get inspired and motivated to laugh and to cry, but most importantly, to love a little. Let's jump right into it. In the last episode, I had an amazing conversation with my friend, Aaron Scott. So if you haven't listened to it yet, after this is over, go listen to it. It's the one right before this. We had so much fun. I went over for a quick 12 hours in Phoenix. It was 120 degrees, you guys. <laughs> She's been trying to get me to move to Phoenix. And I don't know, after, after 120 degrees, I'm not sure <laughs> if it's the place for me. But, you know, I'm just really grateful to have gotten the chance to record her talk and put it online. We touched on Erin not wanting to talk about her anxiety because she always felt like superwoman. And coming from that, that's something that I wanted to really touch on today. So today we're going to talk about numbing, um, emotional numbing, coping, grind culture, and all of that. So I relate immensely to this uh, kind of Erin not wanting to talk about her anxieties because she always felt like she, you know, she had to be superwoman or that she was. And I think a lot of other women and men do. We live in a society where it's oftentimes praised to do it all. And while it's important to be independent and take care of your life, we've reached a point where grind culture is really detrimental to our overall health. Because it does just that. It solidifies the idea that anything less than going a million miles an hour and doing it all and succeeding and all of that is weak. Women are supposed to do it all. Don't depend on anyone. Take care of yourself. Raise a family. Have a career. Men are supposed to provide, protect, and be strong. You know, when I'm in meetings or look on social media, the conversation comes up a lot where you'll hear people talk about how exhausted they are from work in a way that's almost bragging. You know, I, I was up at 4 a.m. sending emails this morning, or I worked a 16-hour day yesterday, or I'm so stressed, but everything will get done. And I'm saying these things because I have those words have literally come out of my mouth a million times. And I'm starting to catch myself like this is not something that I want to be now that I, I manage a staff now and it's growing. And that's when I'm really starting to catch myself saying these things because 
I don't want to pass that on. I don't want to pass on this culture of getting up at 4 a.m. to start work or working until midnight because it's, it's unnecessary and it's horridly unhealthy. You know, these glorified late nights at the office, it's turned into almost a status symbol. And I really, really, really want to work on getting rid of that culture, you know, as much as I can. And, you know, if that's just in my own team, then, you know, then so be it. Then I, you know, we'll really work on that in my organization that yes, things are important. And there are, I have deadlines and I have, you know, dates that things need to be sent in, but there is no need to get up at 4am and send an email, you know, and work till midnight every night. It's just unnecessary. You know, I was raised by a single mom. My parents split up when I was, I think three. So I never... I never saw my mom really, you know, when I was younger with, um, with a partner and have someone that was helping her, you know, she did it all by herself. You know, I saw her do it all and it was really engraved in me from a young age to be successful. And that if you work hard, you'll get where you're going. And if something comes up, you wipe the dirt off and you keep going. I don't know why I'm like, my fingers pointing in the air. You guys, <laughs> this is so un- it's such an extremely unhealthy culture of grind until you literally drop. And that that's what success looks like. You do it all or you're not doing anything. I want to say I have the most incredible mother on the planet. She is warm and kind and inspiring and is the strongest woman I know. She did the best she could. She was a product of her own environment. So yeah, I got the superwoman genes, but I didn't quite get the navigating emotions handbook. (laughs) What I want to do here is take this and connect it to the concept of numbing and emotional numbing and my experiences. For me, being extremely busy, being someone that people say, oh my gosh, you have so much going on. How do you do it? And I'm like, I don't sleep. (laughs) This is a way for me to not show weakness. And it is also a way of numbing because what happens and what has happened to me in the past is I'll get going so fast. I'll work myself into the ground. I've done it in the past. I talked a little in the last episode about when I was married and I was nannying and finishing school. That's how I've always lived my life. I mean, not always married. (laughs) That was a short stint. But being that busy, being in a constant state of movement and change, and I'm good at it. I lived in a different place every single year until I was like nine. I constantly was back and forth between Montana and inner city Baltimore. I picked up and moved to California from Montana at 21. Didn't know a single soul. 
I know how to change. I know how to be constantly busy. I know how to get through shit, right? Like where instead she was superwoman and had always lived busy, working full-time, going to school. I didn't know a life that wasn't like that. You have two fundamental ways that I was raised. And I think a lot of us are raised like that. One, you must succeed. Whatever it is, you whatever it is, do it and do it well. Two, life is going to knock you down. You get up and you keep going. <laughs> so with these two lovely notions of must succeed and get up, keep going, there was no room for emotions, for feeling, for sitting in pain and sorrow. How do you sit in pain and sadness and grief if you were raised to only get up, wipe the dirt off, and keep walking? How do you feel completely when it's engraved in your childhood to not? And then as you grow up, culture and society promotes the same thing, grind culture. So I became an an unemotional, very driven, type A, all or nothing kind of girl. Perfection, perfection, perfection. Do not show weakness. Women are not weak. Do not show fear. You are stronger than that. Your mama didn't raise no fool. Succeed. Your dad wouldn't have his daughter dependent on a man. And as these things built and built and built, I mastered the art of numbing. I mean, mastered it. Brene Brown has a quote. It says, you can't numb those hard feelings without numbing the other effects, our emotions. You cannot selectively numb. So when we numb those, we numb joy, we numb gratitude, we numb happiness, and then we are miserable. And then we are looking for purpose and meaning. And then we feel vulnerable. And then We have a couple of beers and a banana nut muffin, and it becomes this dangerous cycle. So I didn't realize that what I was doing all these years, I mean, the majority of my life was emotional numbing, a coping mechanism to mask and keep down all my trauma, all the hurt and all the pain I didn't learn how to sit with stress, understand rest, calm, and still. I didn't learn how to deal with death, abuse, mental illness. I did, however, learn how to grind and learn how to wipe the fucking dirt off. (laughs) When I quit drinking, which was always my greatest number, 
that's when I started to realize slowly, but surely that all of these other behaviors of mine are all numbing tools that I use to cover up shit. I don't want to deal with. I spent a lot of my life emotionally numb. When others felt joy, I felt nothing. When others felt love, I felt anger or betrayal. My emotions are way out of whack from years of numbing, which stems from years of never learning how to feel them. I didn't want anyone to ever see me as weak. I always wanted to be the girl that could do it all. The one that plans everything and the one that does it all with a smile. I'm learning that I cannot work myself to the ground, bathe myself in perfectionism or turn off my emotional switch and still live a full life. I did that. And that led to the great breakdown of 2019. What I will probably most likely talk about the great breakdown of 2019 in an extended episode. Maybe we'll have to do, we're gonna have to do a four part series on that one. But I know I talk about it's in the opener and I kind of, Aaron and I laughed about it last year. I had reached a tipping point. Um, There were a few months where I was drinking and using the most that I had ever, you know, really had ever in my life. I was, had been married for maybe six months. I, um, was still a a nanny and I was finishing school. I was in my last, I mean, like last couple months of school. So this was around like the end of 2018 beginning of 2019. And what I really, really believe was the tipping point for me was because I was so miserable. I was so unhappy in my marriage with the partner that I was with. I was so unhappy and I had pushed down that unhappiness And I think pushed down so many emotions from, um, you know, a lot of things that had happened to me, my father's death, my dad died when I was 19 and I never, obviously, right. I never let myself even, you know, really think about it, let alone process it. Other really like other heartbreaks. I mean, just really deep heartbreaks and sadness and confusion started to, I mean, spill over. And so the more that these emotions crept up, the more these feelings crept up that I was so uncomfortable feeling, I'm like, "Mm," you know, when someone goes in for a hug, you know, I'm just like, I'm not a hugger. (laughs) You're like, it was like, the more these emotions kept just bubbling up to the surface, the busier I made myself which was easy when you, you know, married, I was a stepmom. I had a job. I was going to school. That was easy. I could add a couple more things to my plate. And then I started drinking and using way more. It was the more emotions were coming up, the more I put on top of it to be like, nope, no, 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 no. (laughs) We're good. And 
had a very messy couple of months. Um, December, January, December, 2018, January, 2019, I had a very messy few months. Um, I was not in an emotional state to have any substances in my system, let alone the amount that I was putting in. And so I was just, it was bad. It was a mess. And anyways, that February started my, the February of 2019 started my, um, my journey through sobriety. So this was an eye-opening experience of, hmm, our emotions are coming into play here a little bit. Maybe we should touch on these for a second. There's a book called Running on Empty by Jonas Webb. I'm thinking, I think I'm, I'm saying that correctly. And I'll put that in the footnotes of, of this episode. It's about overcoming childhood emotional neglect. Now, while this seems like a, a lot, it's extremely relatable. When we hear the word neglect, we often think of extreme cases of child neglect and physical abuse. And often, and in my case, it was an absence in learning about the importance of emotions and how to properly feel them, especially ones like fear, regret, sadness, and pain. The therapist I had back in 2017 recommended this book to me after a few months of seeing her. This was a period 2017. I was, I was still drinking. I had told my ex I was depressed. And he said, if I didn't go to therapy, our relationship was over. So I trotted my ass into this office and the rest is history. Well, I don't see this therapist anymore. I have a different one. And, and this book stayed on my shelf unopened for years. It definitely opened the door to realizations about my habits. Anyways, last year, I opened the book again and actually started to read and process. And this, along with my readings and listenings of Brene Brown's uh, work, were really fundamental in my understanding of why I struggled with substance abuse and all of the other coping mechanisms I had that were simply ways to numb the emotions I didn't know how to feel. In the book, it touches on examples of different children and adults and their actions, how that relates to how they were raised and vice versa. It also goes into why feelings matter, why we have emotions in the first place and, and what to do with them. It's like, I should get one of those, um, those book for dummies. What is, you know, uh, emotions for dummies. I should, <laughs> I should probably get one of those. My brother got me a dating for dummies for Christmas. So we should do emotions and dating. Those are my next two reads. There's a passage in the book that says, we have a tendency to assume that smart people aren't emotional people and emotional people aren't smart. The reality is that the smartest people are those who use their emotions 
to help them think and who use their thoughts to manage their emotions. The key is to use emotion in a healthy, balanced way. Listen to what your feeling is telling you and then figure out a way to act upon it to better your situation, your life, or the world around you. Emotions are not weakness. They are our greatest strength. And this has been a, the root of a lot of my work with myself in the last few years is actually slowing down and attempting to teach myself these emotions to learn how to properly feel them and what to do when they come up instead of masking them, ignoring them, covering them in busying myself, overworking myself, over planning, over list making, under eating, overeating, under sleeping, over sleeping. It is fucking tough. <laughs> it was so much easier when I could just make a call, put on some sexy little outfit, go to the bar, do, do some drugs, get drunk, go home with a stranger and like laugh about it over mimosas in the morning with my friends. <laughs> it's a lot harder uh, to actually feel them alone in my apartment, like crying in my bathtub with a journal, like, bitch, you better write this down. <laughs> it is really fucking tough. But it is the most important work that I think any of us can do is getting down to the root of our emotions. Why feelings matter? What do you even do with them after you feel them? You know, what do you do instead of, instead of shutting them down or instead of, you know, hiding them, uh, being, you know, embarrassed to talk about them? What do you do? How do you know which emotions are which? It was, I thought for a really long time, I was like a fucking robot. I'm like, yeah, I just don't feel nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> like the cat story of my mom, the, her younger brother, you know, uh, showed up at the front door when she was, when they were kids with a dead barn cat of hers. And, you know, he was crying and she said, eh, easy come, easy go. <laughs> like, and we wonder why I am the way I am. You know, it's really, it's really hard to actually sit with emotions for the first time ever to feel them and to try to understand them, to try to understand which emotion comes with which function and you know, what to do, how long to let yourself sit with certain ones. And I think what's been really hard is for me is I, I feel like because I suppressed all of my emotions for so many years, I think I have like a backlog. <laughs> so I've just like the last couple of years, I'm like randomly hit by a wave of emotions. I'm like, what is this? what is this dampness on my cheek? <laughs> but I am learning the importance of slowing down, having some self-compassion, letting yourself be calm and be still 
and feel what you need to feel. Feel what your body is telling you. Figure out a way to act on it. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Let me know how it goes. I also wanted to say that, you know, through this, I'm doing this with you guys. And the reason that I put all of this out there and the reason that I, I have these conversations with myself alone in my apartment and then put it on the internet <laughs> is because I'm learning all of this and I'm not perfect. And a lot of this is really new for me. And at no point am I telling you these things like, well, I've mastered this and now your turn and I have all the answers. I'm winging it. But it is really, really important for me to open up these conversations and whether this is the end and you listen to this and and put it aside or whether, you know, you take this, anything that I say, even the smallest portion of what I say, and it has some effect to better your life and to better, you know, you as a whole human, that's it, you know? So that's all I have for today. I wanted to just touch a little bit deeper on my conversation with Erin, you know, bring what chatting with her brought up, uh, you know, this conversation that I feel like was really necessary on grind culture and numbing, um, suppressing emotions, all of that. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. If you want any additional content, if you want, you know, to talk more about this, please always reach out to me. Um, I'm here for any and all comments or questions. If you want to just chat about something that I talked about, uh, any questions, reach out. You can find me on Instagram at remarkably underscore us. You can also check out my website, remarkablyus.com for all my blogs, information, contact links, episode links, all on how to live your most remarkable life possible. New episodes air every Sunday. New blogs are posted every Wednesday. If you think this episode would help anyone, please share, be kind, and please never forget how wildly capable you are. Till next time. Bye.